Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something epic. This is Paratroop Radio. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And tonight we've got another Over the Campfire episode for you. Um, If you have caught the other two episodes, then you know this is kind of me and Eric going back to our roots uh, before we even started podcasting. If you are just starting to listen to the series... um, what this is really all about is how Eric and I got started was sitting around a campfire and just drinking beer or drinking liquor and sometimes smoking cigars, sometimes smoking hookah and just talking about stuff. So, and granted we've talked a lot about stuff on Paratruth Radio, but this is going like spitballing on different topics and everything. So, we've talked about vampires, we've talked about werewolves. Um, Tonight, I'm going to kind of bring us to what we do now, which is paranormal investigations, mostly ghost hunts, because we haven't done any major cryptid cases yet. But, um, we've been doing paranormal investigations about as long as we've been doing podcasting. Um, one of the first things I have to ask to you is what, in, in your mind, what was different compared to watching the, the TV shows like ghost hunters compared to actually starting our own team and, and doing paranormal investigations? I expected more out of it. When we got out there for the first time, I expected to, to encounter a lot more than, than what we did. Uh, I also didn't expect as much downtime as we would have. Uh, you know, I think a lot of these shows, they kind of seem like, uh, they seem like that they, they just kind of go and go and go without much rest, you know? And of course that was before I knew much about video production. Uh, so looking back now, I see obviously how much work goes into making some of these shows and mm-hmm. the downtime, production time, uh, the pre-production, all that. Uh, and you and I going out there and doing this stuff without any video work is time-consuming as it is, just prepping and getting an idea, uh, an idea of uh, the location and the haunting that's happening, the people who are I- involved, uh, the victims, if you will. And so I think the biggest thing for me is just realizing or learning that there is a lot of downtime in investigations or ghost hunting uh and that could i mean that could be boring at times but i'll tell you what like i mean based on the investigation we did a couple of weeks ago 
there are those those boring times really do climax to some exciting times because when something does happen, it's it's exciting. Yeah, you know. So it kind of I, I feel like there's a good balance in most cases. And the funny thing about what Eric just said was, I've never heard Eric get so giddy on a paranormal investigation until we did the one we did a couple weeks ago. Um, we'll go over the evidence with you guys soon and with the, the client. Hopefully they'll be on the, the episode to do that. But uh, like I had said in the previous episode, we did get a full spectrum camera. So the evidence that we were getting on top of what we were getting on the full spectrum camera was a good cor- good enough correlation to get Eric excited about the paranormal again. Absolutely. I mean, it's been a long time since I've done an investigation myself. So being in a location that I already felt uh, the sensitivity in the one room that I, I didn't realize it was the room that you had told me it was, which is this thing called the murder, murder room. Uh, and before I even really knew what it was, I'd already felt a presence or something uh, when I walked through the threshold uh, of the door. And the fact that we did encounter something and we have some sort of evidence, intelligent evidence uh, to it, it, it's, it is, it's exciting, man, you know, it really is. Well, and as of this recording, we still haven't gone over the audio yet, so we don't have that part yet. Right, we don't have that part yet. We went over the video. You and I both have our experiences and know what what we witnessed. Uh, so I am excited to see or listen to the audio and see, uh, you know, what really happened. And of course, that's that's as of this moment of recording. So we might have gone over that audio by the time you guys listen to this right. episode. But uh, either way, you'll be learning about that in the coming weeks. Um, something that I. I didn't expect um getting into this was because the shows really make it look like oh we're getting evidence evidence all the time we've already talked about this in previous uh show episodes but um i was expecting you know every time you go out to a paranormal investigation you're gonna get a a buttload of evidence and um that is absolutely not the case you you get some or none, depending on uh, the activity in the house and what's going on. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think it's interesting also that, like, well, for example, uh, there was another house that we investigated prior mm-hmm. to this one. And in that case, there have been apparently a lot of a lot of experiences uh, from the owners themselves, mm-hmm. especially with, uh, I guess they're the only two that live there, huh? Mm-hmm. So from the, yeah, the, the kids don't live at home anymore. The owners themselves, you know, have experienced a, a lot there. And Justin and I, despite having a couple of weird sensitivities, I guess, in a couple of locations, sorry about that. Uh, we, didn't, I don't feel like we really caught much overall. Now, we haven't listened to the audio on that either, but we did li- watch the video for the full spectrum. Mm. And we did find one thing interesting. that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, technically, two. two things if you count the thermal laser that you were using. 
<laughs> I don't know if we call that a thermal laser. Well, whatever. You, <laughs> uh, a laser thermometer. Yeah. Oh, 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 that's what you're talking Never mind. I'm thinking of the other house where my count. So, guys, everybody. <laughs> oh, that. ladies, gentlemen. So, apparently, <laughs> we thought we caught something. But it turns out, you, you guys know, like, the, 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 what are the, the, where the grid is that? What do they call that grid? Was that from, like, uh, the 64 or what, what's the eye cam that they use for it to get those grids up? Oh, yeah, I'm not, I have no idea. But you guys know those grids uh, that are popular in uh, paranormal investigations. You see them on Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures. Uh, I think it was really popular on the, um, uh, the paranormal activity movies. Uh, like think, the the lights, the yeah, laser the, the light little grids. laser light grids. Uh, I want to say they came from a gaming system like camera. Oh, I can't well, think of what it's called. You're you're thinking of the Connect. The Connect. Okay. The Connect is different though. The Connect is actually you pick up um, stick figures. Oh oh not, oh. Not laser. So not grids. that. So yeah. but I'm talking about the laser grid. Whatever that is. Uh, we thought we had saw something because there's this weird disruption in our video feed it's like what is that and then justin was like oh you know what that is that's you taking photos of the stairs and those of you who may i don't know maybe you follow me on instagram my own personal uh instagram you you've seen that photo of the stairs uh when i talked was talking about the investigation that we did and it turns out i don't know why or how but the infrared picks up a grid system when the iphone camera is active and I didn't know that. So that's something that I never in my life would have ever known if not for the full spectrum to pick up that light right. that we can't see. Uh, but it turned out, obviously, to be debunked. But it was still kind of interesting at the time. Well, what was funny is when we were watching the video, I was walking towards the stairs. And I thought, after we watched it a couple times, I'm thinking, maybe it's something picking up something on my shirt or a reflection off of something. And... Then I remembered he was taking those pictures because he'd walk back to into the to view of the camera and then um, walked away again and was taking more pictures. And that's when I was like, dude, it's your freaking camera. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talk about an embarrassing moment. <laughs> and that's why paranormal investigators make sure that they don't usually use their phones on investigations. Yeah, but I wouldn't call us professionals. Per well, se. I didn't say professionals. <laughs> I just said ghost hunters. Uh, but you're right. But I wasn't also wasn't using. I mean, I get what you're saying. I technically wasn't using the phone for investigative purposes. It was just for social media purposes because I saw art and being an artist, <laughs> I had to take advantage of it. And you have to admit, the picture itself turned out pretty the picture damn is cool. cool. Yes. So, oh, but well. I, I think we learned a lesson of if we're doing something that like that. Mention it. Timestamp it. Timestamp it so yeah. we know. Oh, Eric's using his iPhone, so expect the camera grid to show up or laser grid. Um, we did do a spirit box session at the one location and then not at the other. So it'll be interesting to see the difference in EVP pickup. Which is actually disappointing. I, I don't know why we didn't think about using the voice. I mean, I, I I suppose it would have been difficult because of everything happening above yeah. us. Yeah. But, well, but you and I both are on the same page that a spirit box session 
it's hard to say it's evidence, even if you are getting intelligent conversation through it. That's true. It is. But in the instance that we were in, uh, I mean, for, we can share this, I think, uh, at the moment. Uh, but we had an EMF detector set up, and there was nothing happening at this location, this, this, this uh, table that we were at, for, what, 15 minutes, maybe? Longer than that. Longer than that, that 20, 30, something? Yeah. All of a sudden, the, the EMF detector starts raising up to, like, yellow, orange color. So, and it was doing, doing it sporadically. There was no reason for it. Uh, we, we tested it. We checked to see if there were any... Uh, sources that might have given off an emf mm-hmm. uh or provided emf reading or whatever found nothing my phone did it you know so i double checked that it's fine if it's off if a cell phone is on around the emf by the way it will cause emf to go off uh so long as you don't have the light on you're good but then it started like responding intelligently to us mm-hmm. we would say can you turn it yellow and immediately it would go yellow uh, so that was really interesting, and I think in that moment, uh, now thankfully we do have the EMF or the EVP uh, session that we did, so we have the digital voice recorder for that. But it would have been really nice, I think, uh, if we weren't so excited at the time to be like, "Oh, hey, let's grab uh, the voice box and see if something doesn't happen here." Well, at the same location, I did have a spirit box session there and had intelligent conversation with something or somebody um but reviewing the audio was pretty horrible because it was loud um there were a lot of people on the investigation with me um so it was it was hard to really say what was coming through um same thing with evp um there was just way too many people on the investigation and I'm thankful that Eric came out to redo this location because I think it turned out way better as far as evidence is concerned to um, to present to the client. Right. Um, so note to, to everybody out there, if you're doing a paranormal investigation, do not have five to six or seven people in the location all at once. Make sure if you have a team... You're spreading. You're splitting off in separate teams and are doing either parts of the location or one team goes in, the other team comes out, stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, and that's one thing I think a lot of amateur um, ghost uh, ghost hunters do is they they take on taking too many people and we've done that twice now in your case it just happened to happen that wasn't something you planned or something you wanted to do uh i also don't have a team out here right you don't have a team people that wanted to be a part of the investigation which is hard especially when they own the property yeah (laughs) you know you you really are kind of restricted uh and there were no contracts involved in that one there were there was but it was was. there there was more to it than just the the client's contract there was the contract for the uh impromptu investigators as well okay okay something else that really comes to mind for paranormal investigations is making sure if you're having a a full team that uh you get all of the uh (laughs) 
But if you get all of the uh, investigators involved on the same page, um, you you know, the one thing, not only were these inexperienced um, investigators, they were also friends, and I didn't set ground rules. And I think ground rules are one of those things that absolutely have to be set from the very beginning. And it's something we did regularly with Night Stalkers, uh, Paranormal Society. Uh, and it's just, you know, sometimes it's out of your control. It just depends on you know, who's there, uh, what the owners want, you know, uh, whether or not somebody's drinking. Now, that's one thing you and I, I mean, we, we don't typically yeah. drink or anything before or during an investigation, depending, of course, what we're doing. Uh, if we're just doing it for you know, shits and giggles, then maybe. But in cases like this, we keep it straight whereas right. people who we are we are with who aren't part of our team or uh you know anything like that they may be drinking or whatever and you know more interested in the party aspect of it uh and i get it you know ghost hunting is super exciting it's fun it's it's a thrill ride uh but i do think if you're serious about it uh such as justin and i then you're in it for more than just a thrill you're in it for the science to try mm-hmm. to f- learn what may or may not be around us uh and if there is something around us what it is and where it comes from remembering all the different evidence that we've caught over the years um is there anything for you that is more memorable than others in terms of the investigations themselves or just in, the evidence any, the any evidence. evidence i mean the one that i always share which is when we were at jeffrey Dahmer's house and getting my name res- like relayed back to me after asking uh, and i know i've said this a billion times on, on this show but you know it's, it's pretty crazy when you're sitting in a bedroom alone uh which happened to be in this case jeffrey Dahmer's bedroom uh and you say hey my name is such and such of course my name's eric so uh, my na- hey, my name's Eric. What's your name? Uh, and all you get in response is Eric. You know, it's you don't hear it in the moment, but when you ca- replay it back and you hear it, it's it's pretty exciting yeah. and kind of eerie. You know. Yeah. What about you? Um, I, unfortunately, Jeffrey Dahmer House was probably the most evidence we really had. Um, but. From personal personal experience standpoint, that was the only place where I was. I said, "Touch me," and I felt like I was being touched. Right. That's fair. Yeah. And that was like a really weird experience for you too, because mm-hmm. you, and you weren't the only one involved in that. There was a group of people because we for that investigation we actually worked with a we paired uh, with another team, another team, yeah, and they were experiencing similar stuff. And I wasn't in the room at that time. I was outside at base camp. Uh, with one of my other, te- one of our other team members, uh, and one of the uh, other team members from 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 the other team, who was really more of a DIT type of guy, he was he was really into the electronics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were out there, and we were listening to some of the stuff you guys are talking about, and then the stories that you relayed to us afterwards uh, were pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, from that investigation, we also had somebody who saw a floating torso. Eric saw a gold orb. Um, so 
I really don't want to base our experience as far as other investigations is concerned on the Jeffrey Dahmer house. But to this day, as far as investigations is concerned, that has been the most interesting and the most uh, evidence we've caught. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any any other um, misgivings or or what we weren't expecting that kind of happened or didn't happen when we started paranormal investigating? Uh... I, you know, I, it's one thing I guess is, is something that we learned was doing investigations outdoors. Mm. Uh, now we've done a couple of them outdoors. One was at Indigo Lake up in Ohio. I did mm. another one at the Frazee house, uh, also in Ohio with our team after you moved to North Dakota. Uh, and the problem with doing things outdoors, um, is, no, I thought I was part of the Frazee house, but I wasn't part of the cemetery. Oh, maybe. I thought they were one of this, like, in the same. Maybe not. No. Okay. Sorry, I guess you're just forgettable. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, sorry. So, but regardless, the Frazee House and then the cemetery uh, is when you have audio equipment. Like, back then, we didn't have a ton of equipment. It was just right. the EMF detector, yeah. our EVPs, uh, recorder, and that was it. And the problem with the EVP recorder is that it's a, uh, a what, what do you call it? It's not. It, it's it's a. It's not a directional mic. You know, it's it oh, picks up right. everything. Yeah. Uh, so you never really can tell if what you're hearing is of something dead around the other side, or if it's something just happening around you that you're not hearing, uh, like a car driving by, or a bird chirping, or animal running and through the grass. Some of them are very sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so I think that is something that was a learning experience. Um, and I think since then, we haven't really done any outdoor investigations. We did one, of course, over at, uh, what was the place we went to last year? Uh, I always forget the name of it. Trollwood Park. Okay, yeah. So when we went there, is that the, wait, was that the? That was in Fargo, where Shelly got scratched. Well, there, yes. Yeah. So we did that one, but we also did the house, the uh, the ghost, go, ghost uh, town. Was that? Oh, Sims. Sims, yeah. Yeah, Sims, North uh, Dakota. That's what I was thinking of. And in those cases, again, like we heard a lot of cicada chirping. Uh, you know, we heard, you know, crickets and not too many cars in that case. But yeah, it, there's there's a lot of noises <laughs> happening around. So I think doing an outdoor investigation, you need either equipment that's directional, or you just need to be very aware of your surroundings and uh, understand that there's going to be little little pieces of noise that you're going to pick up that are easily dismissed if you're not aware of it. Right. You know, or should be easily dismissed. Oh, and something that you had said after we had done those investigations, um, and after we did the, uh, goat man, um, videos, you had mentioned, you don't want to do, outdoor investigations anymore just because there is way too much 
that is uh, they're they're way too they're way too many factors. Right. There are just too many factors. There's too much happening. Uh, you know, it's like when we're doing a an investigation in the house or in a house, we basically control our environment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important when you're doing an investigation. Uh, control as much of the environment as possible. Keep noise at a minimum. Uh, keep your crew at a minimum. Uh, you know, things like that. And that's something you just can't do out in the public space uh, of the outdoors. You know, not without uh, certain restrictions or uh, permits right. to kind of pe- keep people away. And that's the one thing with the investigations that we did outside. I mean, we we didn't have any permits for Trollwood Park. Um, we didn't have any permits for Sims. Now, Sims is basically a ghost town, so there was really not a whole lot other than wind and... Uh, other environmental factors, not human factor. Right. But, um, that, and with that being said, you, you mentioned you can't really control stuff. You can't really make it scientific if you can't control the factors that are involved. Correct. Yeah. All right. So anything else before we go to break? Uh, no, I think that pretty much covers okay. what we were talking about. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear a quick commercial, and we will be right back with Paratruth Radio. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading! Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Paratruth Radio. As always, my name is Eric. And I'm Justin. 
and this is another Campfire Stories episode. Uh, we're just talking about our paranormal investigations as of recent and just really what has changed for us uh, from the beginning when we first started doing the investigations to now. Uh, and really there has been a lot that has changed, not just in our own personal experiences, but also in the amount of equipment and you know technology that, that, that's available to us uh, today. And despite the fact that prices keep going up on some of this equipment, there are others that are going down mm -hmm. that we couldn't afford or at least weren't willing to afford uh, when, we, when started, we first started. Yeah. Uh, if let's, let's so talking about the last two investigations that we did, if there was one thing that we could have done differently for any, either of them, what would it have been? Uh, for the one. Since there was already a party scheduled, I would have said we need to reschedule when there's nothing going on. Yeah. Well, you know what? You and I did not know there was a party. Well, it's You know what's funny about that one is, oh, God, I hope they don't listen to this episode, <laughs> uh, is I had told Justin multiple times over the last couple of months that there was no way we were doing an investigation with a party happening because I saw some of the evidence or some of the photos and video that he sent me from the time prior that he investigated it's like oh that's just too much happening there so to show up and there's already a party going on and say like, guys come on yeah um but with that being said it was it still was a very good investigation mostly because we didn't include anybody downstairs with us yes i know there were two people interested in joining us they didn't and i mean that for, i mean for you and me that's okay in my yeah. opinion that's okay because we were able to control the situation better uh it would have been nice to have them along because i think it would have been an experience for them and i'm you know i, I think you and i are both for the experience for mm -hmm. other people who who don't typically get into the investigation the investigations uh you know i, I feel like there are so many people we've worked with who've never really done it. And once they do, they're like hooked, you know, even if they don't catch anything, it's just something exciting about taking the equipment and searching for nothing. Right. Right. Well, and if it's the same people that did the last investigation, they've already had the experience. They just want a little more validation. Um, if I'm remembering who it was that wanted to be with us, but um, the the other thing, which I have learned with the uh, the full spectrum camera, is turn the light on sooner. That this was in the other location, and I have a mini generator. Plug it into the mini generator if I'm going to be leaving it for a certain amount of time. Yeah, yeah, that one was, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. But with that being said, we probably wouldn't have caught the one piece of evidence that we thought was interesting if we hadn't moved it either. That's true. That's absolutely true. So everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, going through all of our investigations, and I, this, I think these two were a learning experience for us because it's been so long since we've done one where there are people involved together. Mm -hmm. um, but 
all of our investigations, what would you do differently, or have you learned what what have you learned to moving forward that we need to be doing more? Uh, better better job at controlling the environment, making sure that who whoever we're we're investigating for, uh, make sure we know who's going to be there, how many people, and restrict the number of people that are going to be there. Uh, so I think that's the first one is, because I think that's the biggest thing over mm-hmm. the last few years is, is that has been an issue at times. Uh, the second would be probably having kind of, I know this isn't probably normal for an investigation, but maybe having some sort of timeline, mm-hmm. uh, knowing how long we're going to be there and to determine where we're going to start, where we're going to end uh, in our investigation. No, I mean, I, th- I think that's a good thing to have period no matter where you're at yeah it's there's been times because i know there's been times where you and i get enough evidence where we just kind of stay in one area for the majority of the night and we kind of dismiss or you know don't include other areas as prominently uh as the most haunted spot and that's not to say it's a bad thing because we're still capturing something but for all we know there could have been greater evidence elsewhere if we right you know took well, a shot at it that's that's the one thing about having an actual team over just you and i or you and i and the clients mm-hmm. um you can say hey jim and johnny you guys are going to be doing over there eric and i going to be doing over here or whatever that eric is, and johnny yeah. or whatever and that is that is another thing maybe that we probably should do more of is maybe splitting up a little. I think it has to be within reason depending on what the invest or what the haunting is or what we suspect the haunting is. Right. Uh obviously like a cryptid investigation probably shouldn't split up at all. Uh I know during one of these uh investigations that we did and by at this point you got oh man, there's ash in my whiskey. <laughs> um at this point You wanted uh, smoky. Huh? You wanted Smokey. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, you guys might already know w- what these investigations are. I don't know exactly when this recording is going up, so you may know what we're talking about. But there, the one investigation that we did, there was a a claim of a white wolf being outside, mm-hmm. and that this white wolf was, according to Indian lore, a spirit animal of some sort. And we went out there to do a very short investigation because the mosquitoes around the river that we were at was just horrendous, uh, despite having all the bug spray on and everything. But when you, the clients, and uh, their son uh, and friend, mm-hmm. you know, went inside, I stuck around because I kept hearing things. And I, I kept hearing something out there. I didn't know what it was. It's like, oh, well, I'm just going to stick around and get a closer look. To my dismay, it was just fish jumping out of the water <laughs> at night <laughs> but for a moment i thought maybe just maybe i could see this wolf myself again the nature factor factor that you can't really control what's going right, on right you can't but i was able to i was you know i was able to debunk it right. i realized that's what it was uh but also it's like in moments like that it's knowing your environment uh realizing when you're in danger and when you're not you know it's like should I have been going and looking for a white wolf by myself? Probably not. No. 
But knowing that it, my my vicinity to the house, knowing who was around, knowing vaguely uh, what was around me, I was a little more willing to take a chance. And that's not to say I didn't let my own mind get ahead of me a little bit because it was dark out at that point in practically the middle of nowhere. And I was like, I want to see a white wolf or something, but I swear to goodness sake if a werewolf or some other dog creature pops up over these plants or whatever they were, tall ass grass, I'm losing it. Like, goodbye, Justin. Goodbye, friends. I will be dinner for some creature. Well, and to be fair, none of us came out looking for you either. That's awesome. No, you know what? That's absolutely true because I just so happened to capture uh, on the, on the, uh, well, I didn't mention this because I didn't know it since I was outside, but on the full spectrum, you guys come in and talking and asking where I was. And their one friend said, oh, was it Thing 2 or something was outside? Call me Thing 2. Well, I was Thing 1. You were so. Thing 1. I mean, that's, yeah, that's fair. But just like, Thing 2, he's still outside. And then you all just sat down and started to bullshit. And I'm just like, I could have been dead. I could have been in the jaws of some giant were creature or fish being. I don't know. Fish being. <laughs> Oh. Where's Eric? He's all right. <laughs> Meanwhile, as part of my body's floating down the river. He's muscly. He can take it. He's muscly, which means more <laughs> nutrition for the animal eating me. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving forward, um, as far as equipment is concerned, mm. Something that we saw when we were looking at the full spectrum, I, I called it a electronic Ouija board because really that's kind of what it is. It's a little spendy, but would you ever use a Ouija board on an investigation since we haven't really used a Ouija board in forever right. and we've kind of had a little more understanding of what the Ouija board it is? It has been so long since I've used a Ouija board. And this is a trick question. By the way, you may not realize it's a trick question at the moment, but it is because how many times, Justin, have we told our listeners do not use Ouija boards because it opens as doors. a game, as a game. <sighs> Treat as, Ouija board with respect. We, we've, uh, you know, it, this is one of those things that our parents would often tell us when we were growing up: do as we say, not as we do. And so, to answer your question, hell yeah, we use a Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Um, obviously, within reason. It Depends on the type of haunting. If it's a darker haunting, absolutely not. Right. I'm not using Ouija board. I'm not going to open that door. Uh, not that we can't close the door, but to be honest with you, yet, look, this is the thing. So many individuals out there, no matter who they are, whether they're like us, where we're, we're just, you know, we're investigators, uh, we're sensitives, but that's about it when it comes to this kind of stuff. Right. The mediums, the psychics, the witches who claim to uh, have power over the spirits bullshit i'm calling it out right now and they'll tell they'll argue with me and tell me i'm wrong but bullshit humanity does not have full control over anything uh we are basically uh subject to the will of nature yeah and spiritual entities are a part of nature they they exist beyond our realm beyond our understanding uh, so to think that you can just close a door because you want to doesn't necessarily mean you're going to close that door. Uh, you know, it's like 
in my opinion and in my experience, there are moments where uh, an individual will go into a house, do a cleansing, close said door. But in the spiritual realm, there's a spirit who takes a little tiny piece of wood, if you will, or some sort of device and sticks it in between the door and the door jamb just so it looks like the door is closed, but it's open just enough for them to prop it back and walk in later on. Uh, and that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize or pay attention to, you know, especially when people are being paid, they go in to do these cleansings. The cleansing is gone. They get paid. And then three weeks later, guess what's back? Yeah. Contract speaking, they're not, these people aren't getting their money back. They already paid. There's nothing they can do about it. Uh, so I think if you're going to go in and do a cleansing, uh, I know like something like you and I, if we were to ever do a cleansing for someone, it would probably be, uh, we'd probably stay in touch with them, in touch with them for at right. least six months. To we make also sure. wouldn't charge. No, either. we wouldn't charge. You're right. We also wouldn't charge. Uh, so I just, you know, be aware, guys, for for those people out there who are charging, not, that's not to say there's anything wrong with it, but I just feel like you have to be careful when you're spending your money on a cleansing because a cleansing doesn't always work the first time around. Uh, and if an individual that you're reaching out to isn't willing to stick around for six months, periodically, that's not like checking in every day, right. but checking in every two weeks or something to see how things are going, uh, I wouldn't spend the money on it because there's this very strong chance that whatever's cast out will likely come back at some point sooner than later, most likely. Yeah, I mean, it, when it comes to the spiritual, there will people say that there's guarantees, but there is no guarantee. There's no guarantee that you won't have another haunting. There's no guarantee that what was there is actually gone. There's just no guarantee. Um, yeah, mediums can help spirits cross to the other side. Sure. Um but that's not to say that something else can't move in in its place. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and that thing could be good or bad. It's it's just something I think everyone has to be aware of, be aware of uh, if they're going through a cleansing or if they just have a haunting, they're not cleansing it. Uh, you know, it just you have to be aware. I think that's like the primary thing here. Just be aware. Know what's happening to the best of your ability and be aware of it because the moment you let your guard down is the moment shit hits the fan. It sounded like you were going to say everybody has to be a werewolf. <laughs> it sounded that way because that's almost what I was about to say because I heard where and immediately my mind just went to, you know, um, which is why I stuttered over it. <laughs> Not the first time in the past two or three days that I've caught you on something that you stumbled over. My 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 speech is getting horrible. Like, <laughs> I tell people like people that I meet, uh, like recently or nowadays. Sometimes if we're having a like a, a full on conversation, and I start to set up like I have a small small speech impediment where I just <laughs> stumble over words because. And the problem is, I tend to speak faster than I can think. That's the my the way I am with text messages. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a good thing at all. <laughs> it's very bad. Uh, which is, you know, it depends. I think on the conversation too. 
because I had oh, I was dating a girl uh, a few months ago who was almost weirded out by the fact that it took me so long to respond. She was talking to one of our friends because we met through a mutual friend that we both worked with. And she said, uh, she was talking to him and he, <laughs> she said, yeah, I, uh, if it, it felt weird because, you know, he, he thinks before he talks <laughs> and our friend was like, uh, you know, that's a good thing, right? No, it is. It's just not something I'm used to. And I think situationally, I can and I do like stop and pause and think before talking. But when we're on podcasts and when we're just, you know, talking, having a, yeah, yeah it's relaxing. You and I, yeah. Talk too fast. Yeah. You and I have been close for a long time where I were, I will know even if you stumble what you're trying to say, where most people would be like, Right. Dude, what the fuck? Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's been times, too, where you're, like, talking to me and, like, trying to say something, and I'm just like, I already, I already got it, dude. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, yes, be, be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of things um, going on. And be aware that things can come back or... Other things can move in in its place. Yeah, true. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up for this episode? No, I think uh, your last statement kind of summed it up. All right. All right, folks. As always, make sure you're checking out killerpodcast.com, uh, evergreenpodcastparatruth.com. If you want to leave us a voice message, we absolutely would love it. We would love to hear from you, whether it's voice message, email uh, message on social media we would love to have the interaction from our listeners but until next week folks where you'll find us same time same channel my name is justin and i'm eric peace I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. See you soon.